Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome back, everybody. This is a super exciting special episode. This is our 100th episode of Indie Reads Aloud. I am so excited. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with me over the last couple of years to build the readership and to come to this amazing milestone in this crazy little storytelling podcast that we've created together. I am especially excited to be sharing this momentous occasion with Deborah Reed. Thank you very much for being here on my 100th episode. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited that it's your 100th. Uh, me too. Amazing. I never thought it would last this long, so it's kind of fun that it actually did. Um, and I'm doubly excited because for our 100th episode, you're reading from a brand new just published book. Yeah. This is very exciting for me. Flame out. There it is. Yay. This is <laughs> so cool. I, I would love it if you just hold that up one more time and talk to us about your cover artist. So my cover artist is actually um, a young lady at our local high school. And um, I'm we're friends with her whole family. And she's just a wonderful young lady, obviously amazingly talented. She did yes. my um, nonfiction uh, memoir cover, which is entitled Chicken Butt Hair, Tales of an Overcaffeinated Human. <laughs> I love um, and she has also done a cover for um, my 12-year-old daughter's book that's going to be coming out here soon, or um, actually, no, it, it will. Almost simultaneously, like it, within a couple of days of when this one yes. came out, right? Yes, yep, yep, they did come out together. And um, so, yeah, she just, she comes over and she has all of her equipment and I just kind of described to her what I'm, what the story is about. And so she asked some questions about what the character looks like and she just starts drawing and this was very close to being done um, just within an hour of her coming over and talking phenomenal to her. and her name is Mallory Zupin she's amazing is amazing. amazing she she has an incredible art career ahead of her she does and she's also an incredible young lady just as a person and a human being she's she's the whole package that's spectacular. I love that you're giving young people an opportunity to collaborate with you. I think that's one of the greatest things that you do in life is you, you are constantly helping young artists and young authors. I know you teach workshops for young people and, and you help them find their inner story. And I'm just, I'm thrilled to find that people do that and, and you do it so flawlessly. Oh, well, thank you. I, I really do enjoy it. And I think um, you know, I wish someone 
had been there to do that for me when I was younger. And I think that's what, what really drives me to do it is because I want to give those younger kids the opportunities that I didn't really have when I was their age. Yeah. And you collaborate with teachers in creating anthologies as well, right? Yes. Yep. There is an anthology out um, of short horror stories that some students in Michigan wrote that we compiled into an anthology. And um, yeah, I'm hoping that that can be a yearly thing. So that's so cool. I'm just, I'm, I'm so thrilled with our indie author community because we're such supportive families for each other that, and, and I feel like in many ways, you're one of our most stalwart matriarchs. So thank you for guiding our family through this. This is just wonderful. Well, I appreciate everything you do because you are definitely our biggest supporter, I believe. I'm just pushing the broom. <laughs> you do more broom. than that. <laughs> so um, for those of you who haven't met Deborah before, go back and listen to the past episodes. Do a search on Spotify. You'll find her. She'll come up like, you know, 127 times. Just go back and find it. You're, you won't be disappointed. But she has won um, Moonbeam Children Book Awards for her young adult work. She has won, um, where's the other one? Best Indie Book Award um, for her young adult work. Um, she's won an Independent Press Award I, it, it's it's crazy how gifted you are. I mean, it, <laughs> if if I didn't know you as well as I did, I might be slightly jealous. <laughs> I have had a lot of good mentors and teachers along the way from the indie community. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm thrilled, and then I I love too that you take this idea of supporting writing with family into your own family. Your daughter is an author and you collaborated with your husband on a book and um who knows maybe your son will write a book in the future he might it will probably be sports related which <laughs> nothing wrong with that but that Absolutely. is that is his passion so maybe <laughs> that's so much fun so today you're going to read from flame out which is your new young adult novel yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know Deborah's work, she writes for both adults and for young adults. And she does this wacky thing where she publishes two books a year. I, I cannot keep up. Um, one for adult audiences and one for young adult audiences. But clearly your young adult books are so inclusive that even an old person like me enjoys them. I have had... Um many parents grandparents you know great grandparents even um pick them up and read them and then pass them on to the younger people in their lives um because they've enjoyed them and they think they would enjoy them too so i'm glad that everyone is enjoying them because i think the messages in there correlate not only to young adults but to us as adults as well so yeah well and it, i like that in in uh, a couple of your young adult books, I have found touchstones back to my young adulthood time where I go, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was familiar. Or, gee, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, I do draw a lot from my own personal experiences and, and feelings, obviously, but also from those of, of other people who I know and who I've talked to and, and the things that they've been through. Yeah. 
it, it's, it's a really cool thing. I, I love that your stories are so wonderfully universal. What I'm waiting for next from you, and you know, take this as a challenge, if you will, I would love to see an elementary age book come from you. I have thought of that. And I have had, when I've gone into elementary schools to talk, they've asked me about that. Um, I Just because like I have been witness to your wacky sense of humor. And I would just <laughs> love to see what you can produce for younger children. <laughs> All right. Challenge accepted. I will. Okay, cool. Out. Yay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I love it when I can do that. Okay. So tell us about Flame Out. Brand new book. Tell yes. us about this story. Um, so Flame Out is a story about um, Chase Hannon, who it starts when Chase and his friends have just graduated from high school. It's actually graduation day. And, um, but Chase is a football player. He intended to go into the NFL. He had college scholarships lined up the whole nine yards um, during a game during his senior year. He, his leg was injured to a point where it is beyond repair and um, he can walk and things, but he will never be able to play football again. He will never be able to run again. Um, many of those things. So he's facing a lot of uncertainty. And I think that's a lot of things that um, kids deal with at that time. Sure. Um, fear of the future, uncertainty of the future. And so this book really just kind of talks through his summer and kind of like what what he does and his thought processes and how he um, kind of comes to realize who he is as a person, not just as a football player, and that there right. is more to life than than just that one thing. And I think we all have that inside of us. All We all have more than one thing. And sometimes sure. I think we don't believe that. And mm -hmm. so I think we need to, we all need to kind of realize that, yeah, we, we've all got more than one good thing about us and inside of us. What a great message. Oh my gosh. This is so cool. <clears throat> okay. When you are ready, please, Deborah, take the microphone and read aloud on this, our 100th episode. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm like six. <laughs> you would have thought I just discovered, you know, Santa Claus's address and, and I get to visit him anytime I want. This is kind of how I feel about this 100th thing. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And there's it's only exciting. like, you know, a handful of people who listen, but oh my gosh, are we devoted? Yes. <laughs> so when you're ready, please read aloud. All right. It wasn't supposed to be like this, but of course it was exactly like this. The rest of the year had gone down the toilet. Might as well end it that way too. Ugh, I just can't even. Cora cranked up the air in my truck, turning all the vents toward her as they blew at full blast. Never mind that I was just as hot as she was. All those pictures are going to be gross. I didn't disagree, but there was no way I would ever tell my girlfriend that she looked less than stellar at the moment. I tried the whole honesty is the best policy tactic before. For the record, it's not the best policy. And telling Cora that she resembled something limp and sweaty on one of the most important days of our lives would not be the wisest move. It was graduation day and it was hot, like 90 degrees hot. The Madison High grads who chose not to wear anything but their skivvies under the thin robes laughed at the rest of us. The rest of us exuded stagnant misery. Running makeup, limp sweaty hair, and sweat stains under the arms of the blue robes were only half the problem. 
Due to an impending rainstorm, which had yet to appear, the ceremony was held in the unair conditioned gym. 90 degrees, 400 students, and over 2,000 family and friends crammed into one gymnasium. After 20 minutes, the smell was enough to make you wish you were dead or buy stocking deodorant, anything that didn't involve enduring the stench of almost 2,000 bodies packed together. And if I heard it's the first day of the rest of your lives one more time, I wasn't going to be responsible for my actions. Some of us didn't want to be reminded that our lives stretched out before us in pointless, endless days. Some of us didn't have dreams to reach for anymore. Can you believe Ash flashed the entire school? Cora rolled her eyes, but a smirk tilted the corners of her mouth. Uh, yeah. I grinned despite the heat and the persistent pain radiating up my left leg and into my hip. Have you met Asher? Well, he could have at least gone to the tanner before showing off his private bathing suit parts. I mean, how blindingly white can skin be? Cora shook out her hair, then combed the damp strands back with her fingers, trapping the blonde strands with a hair tie. I think Jerry was in on it. I caught her putting her sunglasses on when they called his name. Sunglasses would have been helpful, I agreed, slowing down as I came up on a rusted out car going five miles under the speed limit. Cora glanced at the car, then at me, but didn't say a word. I could tell she wanted me to pass, but wouldn't push it, which was good since I wasn't in the mood to go there. Not today. My hands tightened painfully on the wheel at the mere thought of moving into the opposite lane to go around the car. Nope, not going there today. Cora had bent forward to rummage around in the bag at her feet, probably to hide her irritation. I couldn't get too upset with her. Less than a year ago, I had been just like her, moving at full speed all the time. It was what drew us together sophomore year, that drive to seize life and wring out everything we could. We were fearless. Seeing that in Cora attracted me a way I never felt with other girls, and I knew I wanted her. She fascinated me. Still did, but we weren't on the same playing field anymore, and I kept wondering how that would play out when she disappeared to Dannon University in the fall. I tried not to think about it, but it wasn't easy. Popping upright again, Cora held up a fifth of vodka, a grin stretching her full lips. We're meeting at the pit, right? Tell me we're still meeting at the pit. We're meeting at the pit, I confirmed, shooting her another grin. There was something about Cora tonight, an infectious energy that radiated off her, making her even hotter than normal, despite the sweat issue. Good. I need to let loose for a while. I laughed. When do you not let loose, Cor? My girlfriend shrugged, unrepentant, and grinned coyly. I can't think of a time, she drawled, letting the words fade out. Your horse, your house or mine, I asked as I steered the truck into the entrance to our subdivision. Yours. Definitely yours. There was a bitterness tinging Cora's words, and I wished I could make Mr. and Mrs. Marks understand what they were doing to their daughter. But I couldn't even fix my own problems, much less solve anyone else's. Still, I felt like I needed to do something to wipe away the frown now marring Cora's face. They'll come around, you know. Your parents won't let this ruin your relationship. They love you too much. Cora's lips twisted. Want to tell them that? I think they missed the memo. My jaw set. I will, if it comes to that. Silence fell inside the cab, the only sound the cold air rushing from the vents. The celebratory mood had vanished, and I knew I needed to get it back fast, or Cora would fall down a rabbit hole of dejection, and that fifth of vodka wouldn't last long. The tires of Journey, the name Cora had dubbed my truck when I first got it and that now wouldn't shake loose, crunched over chalk my visiting cousins had left out in the driveway. I winced, knowing I'd hear about it when they noticed. Cora sighed. Sorry to be a downer. I don't want to think about that now, okay? I just want to have fun. I reached over and squeezed her hand. So let's go have some fun. After we say hi to my family. 
We just saw them at graduation, Cora laughed, already getting out of the truck. I followed suit, wincing a little as my leg hit the ground harder than I intended. Slamming the door harder than necessary as a way to relieve the frustration coursing through me, I forced my face into a neutral expression as I met Cora in front of the truck. Yeah, well, you know my parents. They wanted to take us out to dinner and have a long, drawn-out celebration with the fam from out of town. It took some fast talking to get them to understand this was our night, and we wanted to hang out with friends after. How long are your grandparents and everyone in town? I shrugged, holding the door, front door for Cora. We're leaving tomorrow, I think. We're doing a big family breakfast, and then they're heading back to Utah. Cora shook her head. I still can't believe they drove all the way to Michigan for your graduation. It sounded rude how she said it, but I knew Cora didn't mean it that way. She was just jealous that my family cared enough to make the trek. Her own parents barely made it to the ceremony on time. I dropped a quick kiss on the top of her head as she passed me and stepped over the threshold of my house. She shot me a quick smile before she was swarmed by a horde of Hannons. My parents were the only Hannon family to have only two kids. Both grandparents on each side of the family came from big families and had five kids of their own. My aunts and uncles continued the tradition. My parents did not. The large family made reunions fun and chaotic and loud and sometimes not so fun, depending on what current family drama was underway at the time. Thankfully, as graduation rolled around, there didn't seem to be any crises on the horizon, or everyone was hiding it really well. I didn't care so long as I didn't have to deal with it. Chase! The squealed chorus was followed by three small bodies as Molly, Brennan, and Avery launched themselves down the hall and at my legs. I didn't have time to step out of the way or hold out my arms to slow their advance before the five-year-old triplets smashed into me. Cora's hand flew out to support me as my body was slammed back into the, thankfully, closed front door. She missed. Pain sliced up my left leg and into my hip. I felt my face twist into a grimace I couldn't mask, even as I reveled in the feel of the three small bodies pressed in close, pinning me to the door. Then Brennan squeezed my bad leg with his thin arms, and flashes of light bounced across my vision. Kids, get off Chase right now! Give him some space! My vision cleared to see Aunt Monica rushing toward the foyer, her gaze seeking mine an apology. I'm so sorry, Chase. They still, they don't understand. It's okay, I said, even though it wasn't, even though my body was on fire with pain as Aunt Monica pulled the triplets off me and back into the living room. Are you okay? Cora whispered, her hand now finding my arm, her breath fanning across my face as she looked up at me with concern. I didn't have time to answer before my mom came barreling into the foyer. There you are. Mom latched on to Cora, her usual attentiveness to every change in my face and body hindered by her excitement, which was fine, considering I wasn't in the mood to answer the standard 50 questions that followed every facial tick, whether it was related to my leg or not. You have to see your cake, Cora. Mom was already pulling my girlfriend away and in the direction of the kitchen. My cake? Cora shot a confused look in my direction, but I was still trying not to collapse onto the floor. We got you your own cake, sweetheart. Of course we did. Come see it. And they were gone, the confusion on Cora's face morphing into excitement as mom dragged her away. Well, I was glad mom had gone all out for Cora. We all knew her parents wouldn't have a cake or anything else special for their daughter. I had to fight off irritation at my girlfriend leaving me in the dust while I was still struggling to stay upright. Chase, my man, congratulations on the diploma. A meaty hand clapped down on my shoulder, almost sending me to the ground. I smiled weakly at Uncle Gary, my dad's youngest brother. He was the same height as my six-foot-two-inch frame, but was twice my size and width. He worked in construction and, already built like a tank, was made even more solid by all the muscle built up by his job. Thanks, Uncle Gary. I tried not to sound as strange as I felt. 
that girl of yours around here somewhere? Your Aunt Rachel has a gift for her. In the kitchen, I think, I said as I shifted back to both feet, gritting my teeth with the effort. After all the months of physical therapy, you'd think my body wouldn't hurt so badly, but no. Even better, the doc said the pain would never fully go away. So what's the plan now? Going to college someplace? The dreaded question. The one everyone asked while not stopping to think that maybe, just maybe, the person in question didn't want to divulge their future plans or lack of them to the world. I shrugged noncommittally. Not sure yet. Got some time left to figure things out. Uncle Gary nodded, but I could tell he was trying not to look down at my leg. Like everyone else tried not to look down at my leg. It must be draining, constantly ignoring the elephant in the room. In my case, shattered dreams to go along with my broken body. I knew it exhausted me. Yes, well, <clears throat> he cleared his throat. No rush. You're young yet. No need to hurry into the rest of your life. I smiled thinly, hoping I didn't look as annoyed as I felt. I couldn't hurry anywhere, but I bit down hard on my tongue so I wouldn't say it. I should probably go find Cora. I tilted my head in the direction of the kitchen, hoping Uncle Gary would take the not-so-subtle hint. Yeah, sure, sure. We'll catch up later. That meaty hand fell onto my shoulder again, a weight to match the one in my chest. I gave a short nod, though I had no intention of seeking my uncle out if it meant having a conversation about my future. I also tried to ignore the look of relief on Uncle Gary's face at the out I'd given him. Was that what the rest of my life would be like? Everyone dancing around the elephant or leg in the room and looking relieved when I let them escape before things got too uncomfortable? That thought, like so many other things in my life, exhausted me just thinking about it. Wow. Okay. Another book to read. <laughs> Don't do this to me. Um, what was it about football that drew you to write this story? Because you could have chosen practically any sport. So why did you choose football? Um, honestly, I think my son kind of influenced that a little bit. Um, so my son loves football and he's um, in fifth grade right now going into sixth. And he was on a team when he was in fourth grade and one of the boys got tackled mm -hmm. and his femur, so like his thigh, yeah. got snapped, literally snapped in half in two Ouch. different places, which the doctor said almost you never see at kids that age. Yeah. Um, now, thankfully, because he's younger and the bones are a lot more malleable and everything, right. he is getting full mobility back, back to That's playing great. Football. Yeah, and everything else. But as I was thinking about it, I'm like, because my son is also like, I'm going to be in the NFL. This is what I want. And yeah. they're like, awesome. We will support you. What is your plan B? Yeah. They're like you, you need to have a plan B. Go for your dreams all out. We will support you. Have but a plan. But in the B. event that you get hit <laughs> by a bus, let's make sure yeah. you have something else. Yeah. Yes. And so I think just all of those things combined just kind of like morphed in my mind. And I'm like, okay, so Chase has kind of the same thing happen. His leg is snapped in half in two different places. And then I made it a little bit more with um, like nerve damage. So like, mm -hmm. because of the nerve damage that that caused, that is what is never going to let him um, play football again. Yeah. And so yeah, it just kind of all morphed into that and just the experiences and my own son's dreams. It was just kind of like, okay, so what, what if that was taken away? What if that was what you loved, what you were passionate about 
and suddenly you just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I, I, I'm really intrigued. Um, so this is a, a, a football kind of story, although not football, but yeah, you know what I mean? Um, all the things was track. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then was it, um, room five? Was room five, or was it? No, it was dancing in the rain. Was ballet right? Dancing with shadows. Dancing yep. with shadows was ballet. Ballet. Yeah. So, do you think that there's just a natural thing about physicality and young adults learning to grow into their bodies? That that's just a normal part of story for young adult audiences, or is it just because those are accessible stories? Um, I think there is, a, there, there is some correlation there. I do know, um, there are a lot of kids who don't participate in sports. I mean, like my daughter, she, where she does love archery, her passion is writing. And I think mm -hmm. if she had to choose, she would just choose writing. Um, but I think there is something there of, yeah, just physicality and movement and, everything is moving at that age. I mean, your yeah. mind, your, your body, I mean, just everything is changing and moving and there's motion and, um, and all of that. And I think th there is something there to that where, yeah, you just, you learn from, from everything, whether that's the sport aspect and the mobility there and the options there and the dreams there, yeah, um, as well as anything else that might not sports related as well I, I think it's an interesting correlation that um that the stories for young adults so often include that monumental oh my gosh everything is shifting right um what i can do physically is shifting and what i think intellectually is shifting and what my emotionality can handle it's all shifting and you are incredibly skilled at combining all of those shifts into a single story. I, I'm so impressed with your ability to do that. I mean, even in, in um, God, here's some pocket change. You, there was a whole transformation process that handled, you know, you, you talked about in that book as well. I'm just, I'm fascinated by your ability to write stories about whole people. Well, thank you. That, be, that means a lot to me. Um, cause I, there, there are times when I'm writing where, you know, I wonder if, well, we all second guess ourselves as mm -hmm. writers and as artists. And it's like, am I doing this right? Am I conveying this the way that it will, um, relate to other people and to their stories? Because really you can, if you write something the right way, even people who aren't in love with football can find, something yeah. that they love and can relate to in the story and um so yeah I mean that's what I really strive to do is to write something that that can encompass all of that and and that coming of age and the change and mm -hmm. and everything else because that is such an important part of growing up absolutely it's not always easy I would say most of the time it's not easy <laughs> I was trying to be delicate but you're right yeah, yeah. life is hard I mean it just is well, so. and especially at that growth period, because teenagers have to really juggle a lot of stuff simultaneously. Yes, social pressure and parental pressure, and 
I mean, and just that that one scene that you read for us. There's so much going on in that scene. And then yeah. and life for teenagers can be overwhelming like that. So I'm I just love that you make the overwhelming not the tragedy. Well, thank you. Good. I'm I'm glad it comes across that way because that's absolutely it that's does. That's <laughs> that you're doing great. Just keep doing that. <laughs> I'm so happy that you were here to celebrate our hundredth episode. And, and that you're so willing to keep coming back and reading out loud to me because I'm, I've said this over and over again, I'm just still six listening to people sit in the rocking chair and read to me. And so it's I'm- It's fun to be read too, even as an it adult. Is. It is. So I'm very grateful that you keep coming back. And uh, if you're gonna write two books every year, we'll just keep seeing you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Deborah. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.